0: to the Washington Weekly Review. I'm the Southeast Iowa Union's Kaylin McCain. It's the week of May 28th. 2022. This week's show is a special edition of the podcast. With primary elections around the corner, we've had a lot of campaign coverage. As such, this episode will feature the Candidate Forum held in Washington on Wednesday. Events like this encourage a back and forth between candidates and are difficult to fully cover in print. It only made sense to tell the full story here, where you can hear every word from the candidates themselves. This episode is an abridged recording of the forum between Iowa House District 92 Candidates Garen Rosine and Heather Hora. It contains audio of every question asked to the candidates and the somewhat Abridged responses they gave to those questions. Full disclosure, we've trimmed out long pauses, clarification checks, repetitive sentences, two interruptions from ringing cell phones, and every applause. Otherwise, every relevant word spoken is included. For a full, unabridged recording of the forum, including other parts that focused on other candidates, you can visit the Washington Chamber of Commerce website. That's all for now, but stay tuned to the end for some quick housekeeping. Thanks.
1: To answer Michelle's question, I'm running for office because I wish to advocate for the people that live in this district. My qualifications include my experience and my reputation. Having been elected with tremendous support on three occasions is one example of showing
2: that I am up to the task. I work hard to be a solution-oriented leader.
1: My reputation of being a good listener and responding carefully um, and respectfully to questions and concerns for constituents, remains a top priority for me. With intention, I don't throw temper tantrums or earn bridges or blow up relationships. It's important to work well with people. As a mayor and as a counselor, I've been able to listen and find the overlap and therefore the solution for the common good of our community. At the end of the day, that is what I want and I am optimistic that we can make things better and improve our world, our state, and this district. Thank
2: you. I am Heather Hora. I am from Riverside, and I spent my younger years in Minneapolis. I came back to Riverside in uh, seventh grade, graduated from Highland, received my real estate license, worked for a brokerage, got my broker's license, and in that time, I met my future husband, Kurt, and he was a farmer, and so I thought, that sounded like a great plan, so we bought some bread gills and we've been farming ever since. I've served on the Washington County Pork Producers Board for the last 16 years. My husband served as Iowa Corn President, and our family has promoted pork, corn, and environmental stewardship for many, many years. I'm running for the Iowa house for many reasons, but I think the biggest is the fact that I'm a Christian mother of three young children. And we need to do more to protect our children from what is happening in our society and our schools. Our teachers are being asked to put up with things that no one in a civil society should. Our children are being exposed to and being taught things that no child should be exposed to and taught at school. We need to protect them and and have our schools get back to the basics of teaching, reading, writing, arithmetic, and leave the morality to home. I believe in school choice. I also believe that we need to take a serious look at our education system, including our Department of Education figure out why our schools are failing. I consider myself a conservative. conservative. I grew up with Ronald Reagan as my president, and it was his love of America, his eternal optimism and strength that resonated with me and shaped my youth. I am a lifelong Republican who believes in our platform, and am proud to be a part of the grassroots that created it. Governor Reynolds has endorsed my campaign. I think she is one of the greatest leaders of all time, and I am humbled by her endorsement. I look forward to working with her in- to enact a pro taxpayer, pro family, and pro parent agenda in 2023. All right, Jen, is
1: there anything that you would like to add? Sure. I guess I would like to acknowledge the endorsement that Heather mentioned from Governor Reynolds. I believe that endorsement is a perfect example of why you should vote Rosine for the State House. I see it less of an endorsement and more like a pair of golden handcuffs. I've had many good conversations with Governor Reynolds. She appointed me to the Iowa Arts Council. Governor Reynolds so desperately wants to force the voucher program on citizens in Iowa that she has taken to meddling in these primary elections. It is unprecedented, and I think it is dangerous. For the record, I have never categorically opposed the voucher program, but what I have opposed is legislation that would maim public education in the process. I respect for Governor Reynolds, but with all due respect, in this office, I would not work for Governor Reynolds. I would work for the 33,000 people that are part of this district. We'll begin our next question
2: with Heather here. What would you like to accomplish if elected? Taxes are very important, and returning money back to the taxpayer is key. Um, Violence are demanding property tax relief. The source of high property taxes is government spending at all levels. School districts are often the leading driver of property tax bills. The best way to start providing property tax relief for all islands is to implement a strong truth in taxation law. And this is something the legislature can do. Truth in taxation serves as a, transparent, as a transparency and accountability measure. Before um, local governments can raise their budget, they need to hold a public hearing to justify the new spending. A strong truth in taxation law will be revenue neutral, that is, each taxing authority will receive the same amount of revenue as the previous year. If they want to surpass that amount, then it will trigger a truth in taxation hearing. This will force local governments to justify new spending and force them to be honest and not hide behind assessment windfalls. Truth in taxation empowers taxpayers while keeping local taxing authorities honest. Truth Taxation Laws in Utah and Kansas are helping to lower the property tax burden for the taxpayers, and it can work for Iowa, too. Another area of importance is our, our workforce. I hear over and over that we don't have enough workers. This is very real in our district. We have grocery stores that close at 9 p.m. when they used to be 24 hours. We have restaurants open half the time that they used to be. And hotels that can only book a certain number of rooms, and this is not because they want it that way. They simply cannot find workforce. Through programs like Future Ready Iowa, we have the opportunity to invest in work-based learning. This investment is not only at the community college level, but throughout all education levels. Having students engage with employers, investigate careers, and develop skills needed for success will help meet the needs of Iowa's workforce and those looking for promising careers with opportunity for advancement
1: many areas, we are uh, more on the same page than we are not, and those are great uh, points about property tax relief, Future Ready Iowa. Truth in taxation, I need to acknowledge, can be complicated. As I've been uh, on the streets, I've learned that uh, government departments, if you run it that way, they have to spend every single dollar at the end of the fiscal year, and then you're motivating these departments to spend every cent and to spend it wastefully, because if they don't spend it all the next fiscal year, they don't get the same amount. With that being said, when I'm sworn into the Iowa House of Representatives, it will be important for me to listen and to learn and to be familiar with the appropriate procedures. I'll be most effective with this approach. Regarding legislation in general, I think it's important that we return to a focus on the nuts and the bolts of our government responsibilities, to do problem solving with improvement, and to focus on efficiencies. I mentioned meeting with individuals and businesses, and through that I have learned of several parts of the Iowa Code where some simple improvements can be made, where there's low-hanging fruit. But I believe that I'll need to pace myself and introduce those ideas that have been brought to me to the appropriate committees to work their way through the legislative process in the State House. Jared, next question goes to you first. What would you like to see the State accomplish during the next several years, if elected? When elected, I think it will be important to continue to support agriculture and manufacturing. They are major players, if not the major, complete major players in the success of our state. As I mentioned in my platform, it's also important to honor local control in our small towns and our municipalities. Cities and towns across the state are real economic drivers as well. My nine years of government experience has a first hand seed to this. Empowering cities, and not preempting them allows towns to make good local decisions that support their people. Quality life continues to be important for the state of Iowa, for those finishing and starting their career. It would be great to grow Iowa when young people that are not living here are asked why not. One of the reasons is the divisive political rhetoric and just the exhausting partisan politics. I believe that my voice of reason and calm is needed. Mental health and education are on heightened alert and more important than ever. I just think that we have to pause and acknowledge the tragedy in Texas, and Uvalde, and when I see that, I see a low-hanging fruit as the mental health portion of that problem. I will not pretend to have all the answers in that category, in those categories, but I will ask
2: excellent questions and I will seek solutions for improvement. Because I am a Christian mother of three children, their future is important to me. And over the last few years, even before COVID, I noticed a lack of respect and discipline happening in their classrooms. When I addressed this with, difficult, with different uh, administrators and teachers, there was never a clear answer either to why it was happening or what we were going to do about it. Since COVID, we have seen a rapid decline in our children and in our society. In their mental health. Our community, in particular, has seen this firsthand with suicides and sexual abuse cases. We need to have consequences to actions, clear unwavering support for mental health, and most of all, accountability from our Department of Education. The Governor believes in parental choice, and as a parent, I believe in parental choice. As a mother, I cannot imagine what it is like to daily have to send your child to a school that I knew was failing them, that I knew would not give them any any hope for a future, or prepare them for success. The bigger question is, why do these schools continue to fail? And what why are they not doing anything about it? And what do they need to do to become better? I would love to see Iowa be a place where, where school choice, parental choice, whatever you want to call it, is not even needed that the best place to send your child to school is the public school in your arena. So to me, uh, school choice would be probably top of my list. I would agree with Heather on the importance of uh,
1: parent choice of that control. I think we'd probably differ on exactly how to get there. I respect that priority of parental choice as well.
2: Can you tell me if you believe the state is adequately funded and why or why not? So I would say yes, the state is fully funded. Governor Reynolds and the legislature have done a good job balancing both spending and pro-growth tax policy. This session, the legislature passed a historic tax reform that will create a 3.9% flat tax by 2026 and provide all Iowa's with tax relief. In addition, the budget is balanced and the Iowa's Fiscal Foundation is secure thanks to prudent budgeting. Governor Reynolds and the legislature have also made sure that the priorities of government, such as education, are funded. Liberals and progressives may argue that education or other programs are not fully funded, but education already consumes 56% of the state budget. The fiscal year 23 budget that the legislature passed continues to fund the priorities of government while ensuring taxpayers get to keep more of their hard earned income, like I said earlier. Iowa is projected to have another $1 million surplus in uh, fiscal year 23, and the reserve fund balances are $289.5 million, and Taxpayer Relief Fund is estimated to have a $2 billion balance for fiscal year 23. States cannot spend their way to prosperity. Just look at Illinois or California, or even the reckless spending of the federal government, which is responsible for crippling inflation. Governor Reynolds is following a path of fiscal conservatism and prudent budgeting, which is providing for priorities of government. Plus, Iowa's budget continues to grow and spending has not declined. Democrats are upset because they believe that the states need to tax and spend more, but I believe we are on the right path. I do. I do not have any reason
1: to believe that the state is not adequately funded. In this category, I'd like to mention some of my experience uh, in city government, which is for more than 12 years maintaining a flat property tax levy. Uh, The importance of making priorities, making sacrifices, and accomplishing what uh, you need to do with what you have and without asking for more. I anticipate bringing the same approach to work at the State House. I think it's important to not put undue burdens on the
2: taxpayer. And you can see fiscal responsibility in my life personally, professionally, and fiscal responsibility will uh, remain a priority uh, politically. How would you balance freedom and personal responsibility in your position if you were elected? Um, Well, I think freedom is what our country was founded on. And so I don't know that there's a balancing of freedom. Um, I just believe in freedom, and I believe in personal uh, choice such as um, with mandates and stuff, is that what they're probably referring to, like vaccination mandates, things like that? Yes. Um, I don't believe in vaccination mandates. I believe that if you want to be vaccinated, vaccinate. If you don't, don't. If you want to mask, mask. If you don't want to mask, don't mask. Um, But I believe it is personal choice and um, that is part of our freedom that is guaranteed in
1: our Constitution. Excellent question. And on this, Heather and I are on the same page. I happen to be a vaccinated person. I believe it was the right decision for me. I've had family members that are on both sides of this issue, and I have to respect that. I also respect the people where, for instance, in my role as mayor at the time, it was a very challenging time when COVID hit, and I have seen trauma and tragedy in my life, so I was able to stay calm and uh, accommodate people on both of those extremes, and I think the message was to to meet people where they were at and and to accommodate. I was kind of thinking about how uh, wonderful our simple pleasures are, and then I was thinking about our simple freedoms, which is what I'm hearing a lot when I'm door knocking. And I think our job as in the legislation is to keep those intact and to improve on the rest.
2: The only thing I would probably add on that is, um, I am thankful that we had Governor Reynolds lead us through this last couple of years, because through traveling to different states, they all said, we sure wish we lived in Iowa. Okay, so next question is to Jaren. And the question is, Please explain any sections of the current Iowa Republican platform that you do not support.
1: Um, I will admit that I'm not a perfect person and uh, as a person in the party, I believe that I am a voice of reason and uh, common sense. I'm a future-minded Republican. I'm a big-picture Republican. I don't fit perfectly within the party. As one of the supervisors uh, mentioned last night in comments uh, about the Republican Party, it was in support of this that there should be more—there should be room for more than one cookie-cutter staunch conservative uh, within our party. I sleep at night completely because I am transparent with you about that. And what you see with me as a candidate is what you get, and I believe that I am the right candidate for this job, and that you can vote for me with absolute confidence that I will do what's best for the constituents of
2: this district. I agree with all of our platform, and I believe that part of the strength of the Republican platform comes from the grassroots, because that platform was created by members of the Republican Party who meet several different times and come up with... The platform planks and then we vote on them and we go through that. So to me, that is what re- the Republican Party represents is the platform. And so yes, I agree. I agree with what it says. If Roe versus Wade is overturned, will you support anti-abortion legislation in Iowa? Well, first of all, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, I am thankful that I live in Iowa, where we have control of the House and Senate in the governorship. Um, what was the question? Would I support anti-abortion legislation? I would uh, support the heartbeat bill, which I think came through before. Uh, I would support uh, something like that that would, right, that would come through. I would support life. Yes.
1: I would prefer that there not be abortion, and I want to protect all life, life of mothers included. Leading up to this, I received counsel from two different ministers in the last week. Also, when Justice Alito's draft decision came out, 93 pages, it was leaked, I read that in its entirety. For the record, that is the type of work that you can expect from me as your legislator. Justice Alito, at the beginning and at the end of his draft, referred to three camps in this complicated moral issue. His words, the category of absolutely yes, the category of absolutely no, and the category of with some exception. I fall into the latter. The life of a mother is important. Or take cases of ectopic pregnancy. In North America, 19.7 out of 1,000 pregnancies are ectopic, so 20 out of 1,000. That is the leading cause for maternal morbidity in the first trimester. I am not a mother, I'm not pregnant, Uh, but I don't think that we should sentence a mother uh, to death by legislating with an iron fist. Government needs to be very careful with how laws are passed in this area, that this is simply not black and white. And attempts to make it that do not affect or do not reflect many harsh realities that are part of the world we live in. I'll give another example for the case of a teenager raped by a, a father. This is not anecdotal. This is a case law in Iowa. My aunt is an attorney that practices in Winterset. I can hope and pray for life and reflect on that and take a minister. and we can hope that that 14-year-old carries her father's child to term and that it's given up for adoption, but I don't feel that government should be the one that mandates that choice for that child. It is harsh and it is hard and complicated. Like with the other things, I will listen to my constituents and find find a way.
0: And there's anything that you'd like to add?
2: No, I would just say that if Roe versus Wade is overturned, it throws it back to states' rights, and I'm thankful that each state can make that decision for themselves. Uh, List the pieces of legislature concerning agriculture that you are willing to support. I would look at any ag legislature with a... through the eyes of a farmer, through the eyes of my husband and and his father, and those around the community. Uh, But right now, I don't know that there's any ag legislature hanging out there that I know of, Um, but I would tell you that uh, freedom to farm is top of my list. So um, I would be against any further regulations that don't create, um, you know, don't create uh, markets or anything like that for our farmers.
1: Similar to Heather, I don't uh, see any controversial uh, legislation that's currently hung up. Uh, We are on the same page of supporting agriculture in Iowa. We feed the world here. We are also a manufacturing powerhouse, and I mentioned that before. I'll mention my farm background again. I'm thankful for it because it's how I learned to work, and it's thanks to my parents that I learned important skills with critical thinking Uh, on my mom's side. There's been farming since 1841, Caden is 7th generation, my dad's side is uh, 1871, or 1872. That's 6 and 7 generations. When it comes to legislation that impacts Iowa farmers, um, as I mentioned before, I'm not too proud to say when I don't know enough about something and to seek counsel when it's needed and to ask important questions. or. To even, I'm not too proud to change my mind when given information that requires it. I think it's important to keep an open mind and listen to the people that legislation impacts. To round that out, supporting agriculture in Iowa is a foundational principle for Democrats and Republicans in both sides of um, the state capitol.
2: One thing I would add, now that I have a second to think about it, um, on the court board we toured the vet diagnostic lab at Iowa State, and I think funding the vet diagnostic lab at, the, at Iowa State is key, um, and that would be something that I would support. I had the privilege to
1: meet with the Washington County Fair Board and listen to the priorities from the Fair Board uh, perspective, and uh, for them, uh, the state of Iowa supports fair, 4-H FFA, across the entire state of Iowa. Um, and. The focus for them has been on biosecurity. I think that's something that we need to keep in mind. Uh, For instance, you go down to Texas to shoot wild hawks. We don't need any of that here in Iowa, where we have purebred swine populations that we don't want to be impacted by uh, wild boar hunting, for instance. Uh, Biosecurity has been multiple animals across our um, animal husbandry field.
2: How would you suggest to remain fiscally conservative amid inflation, Without pushing the burden on our already strained government budgets.
1: I mentioned before with nine years of experience in government, four years with a vote as a city councilor, five years as the mayor of Walsh she you have to make some hard decisions. And I think you can't put a new burden on the taxpayer. You have to do what you need to do with what you have. That's what we do uh, in our homes when you need to do. I said, yeah, put a roof on, you save up, you sacrifice, you budget accordingly, and in personal life, and in my professional life as a small business owner, and in my political life, that is the same strategy I will take. Common sense, hard work, work with the budget to do what you need to do, and you're going to have to make priorities, and you're going to have to make sacrifices to be successful.
2: Well, I think uh, my experience at budgeting my family during inflation gives me a uh, pretty good head start on trying to uh, help in Des Moines with the budgets. Um, stretching a budget is something that farmers know well. In some years we have to stretch it further than others. Um, but I think in in the State House you need to open up some of those budgets that have just been um, the same for many, many years. You know, I look at the perfect of the Department of Education is one of them. Everyone says it's so complicated and you can't look at it and, you know, this goes there and, and there are already uh, earmarks and all these things in the Department of Education budget. Why not open it up? Why not get more money to the teachers? Why not get more money to the classroom? Money is there, but where is it? Where is it getting spent? Those are the kind of questions that we need to ask. Those are the questions I ask in our budget for our farm all the time. My husband knows. Do we need those extra tires? Do we need this? Do we need that? So I think just looking at things with a fresh, with a fresh view and with a with a common sense view would help there. Since Jared is ready for the closing comments, uh, Jared, if you'd like to begin.
1: Yeah, it's very brief. I'll just, I've, again, honesty with you. I've struggled very much with choosing how to communicate and how to have an integrity, but also have the fight that's in me for people at the same time. I am fired up, and I'm fed up, but I am optimistic. Uh, it's part of my blood to see the road for improvement and to work for it. i said it before, but I'll, I'll say it again, that I'm not perfect as a person or in the party, but I am a perfect candidate for this district. Reasons include my humanity, uh, my transparency, and my integrity. So in closing, I have been listening to all of you. And I will continue to do so today, tomorrow, and when I'm your representative in the Iowa House. Thank you for voting. Rosine.
2: You know, Jared has said that the governor's endorsement doesn't really matter. And she did it out of probably kind of pettiness um, over the school choice bill. And I take it differently from Governor Brown. So I don't think she does anything without thinking it through. And she doesn't take it lightly. I think Governor Brown's endorsed me because she believes that I have the bold leadership qualities that she needs in Des Moines to help her get through pro-taxpayer, pro parent and pro-education policies. Um, I'm honored by her endorsement, and let me just read, sorry, i didn't my glasses, I'm age. Um, that as a mother of three and a farmer from Washington County, Heather Cora will be a strong conservative legislator who will fight to preserve Iowa's incredible quality of life," said Governor Reynolds. I am proud to endorse her campaign and look forward to her joining the Iowa House and being a champion. I am encouraging Iowans in the district to get out and vote for her in the Republican primary on June 7th. I would appreciate your vote. Um, I know that things have been said about Democrats coming and voting in the Republican primary. And I believe that that um, is not what the primary process is for. I believe that Republicans choose their candidate, Democrats choose their candidate, and the two meet in the general election. So um, that's what I would say, because I would appreciate your vote, and um, I just want you to call Governor Robinson. Um, endorsement. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks for tuning in. The Primary Candidate Forum was hosted by the Washington Chamber of Commerce and emceed by Chamber Executive Director Michelle Redlinger. Primary Election Day is Tuesday, June 7. Don't forget to vote. This podcast is copyrighted property of the Southeast Iowa Union, which is owned by the Gazette. We'll be back to our regular programming next week, so if you're interested in an ad read, call 319-653-2191. Please also share this episode with people you know. It's a great way you can support the show without spending any money. That's all for now. This has been the Washington Weekly Review, and I have been Kaylin McCain. Have a great week.